You are Locked On Royals, your daily Kansas City Royals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Royals podcast, a part of Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. On today's show, we're going to dive into some more Royals news and notes around baseball. The first talking point about all this season is the fact that the season might get delayed again, and that right now... We're seeing the owners and players starting to go back and forth already, again, as we saw that messy, messy uh, conversation and dispute in collective bargaining agreement discussions uh, earlier this year, whenever they were starting to revamp the 2020 season, we saw them go through some messy conversations about when to start the season, how to prorate the contracts, all that good stuff. So they're doing it again, obviously, for this season. And I'm actually not too mad at the owners. Like I, I know that the the fun thing to do right now is to rag on all the owners, and I, and I have crucified the owners as well. I mean, they have done some despicable things uh, so far. You know, this entire last calendar year, obviously. But for this point, I am not fully out on the owners, or or, or really against what the owners want to do. So the owners want to. Uh, not play 162, which is, of course, what the players want to have happen in 2021. Obviously, the players want to play more games. They want to get all of their money. Uh, they want to fulfill their contract. That way they get paid and not prorated the contract, but get paid the entire length of the contract. Uh, but the owners are talking about you know 127 or 130 game season uh, because their thought process is, well, why not wait until there's a vaccine? Even if we only wait until the players get vaccinated, then at least we know for sure once we start the season, there's no stopping, there's no bumps in the road, there's none of what we saw with the Marlins or Cardinals or any of that, and we're just going to play the season out. And then also, obviously, if you wait for a vaccine, you're closer and closer and closer to getting fans in the ballpark, which of course makes the owners more and more and more and more and more money. If I was the owners of these teams, and if I was in the decision-making process of Major League Baseball. What I would do is just, if it's safe to play, which right now I think as we see the NFL continue to play no matter what, and we see the NBA starting up, and we see the NHL starting in January, I think it'll be safe to play, that you can play baseball. We just played it in a way worse climate a couple months ago. I think that you can play baseball this year. So just play a 162-game season, fans or no fans, so be it. Do what the NBA is doing right now. The NBA right now has no fans, but hey, maybe... Maybe we'll have fans down the road. Maybe we'll have fans at the All-Star break. Maybe we'll have fans in the second half of the season. You never know. But right now, there's not going to be any fans. So just do that model and just go ahead and play. Just go ahead and play. The only reason the NBA chopped off 10 games of their season is because of the fact that the bubble did not end until October, which is normally when the season starts. So, I mean, obviously, they had to chop off some games. I would do the NBA model. Just, Just go ahead and play, and we'll see if we can have fans later on. With that being said, that's what my opinion would be for what to do with the season. I do understand the counter-argument 
of the owner's side where you're saying, look, this is all a business. Yes, it's a game. Yes, it's entertainment for people. But this is a business and this is an investment. And if we can just delay it from, say, January, you know, really from February, that's when that's whenever game starts. So let's work under the game start you know, section. From February until, say, March as the start of spring training, which would delay the season from April to, you know, whenever, May. January, February, March, April, May, June. Yeah, okay, we're good. Then why not? Why not just take a little bit off for this season and then we'll figure out the rest later on? If we can ensure that this season, at least we'll go on without a hitch, right? Because that's what's promised to everyone if you wait till a vaccine. Listen, folks, I hate to break it to you. Professional athletes are going to get the vaccine before a lot of us have access to it. Uh, I, that's just what's going to happen. Uh, so if the owners can look at this and say, well, we can guarantee our product does not get disrupted and we can guarantee our product uh, can start and finish without any interruptions, I understand their thought process of just wanting to wait. With all that being said, just because that there's another side of a story or another side of an argument, uh, there should still be compromise, right? I mean, I mean, the owners shouldn't just get to dictate everything that they want. And at the end of the day, what is better for the most group of people, right? Waiting is best for the owners, but that's the only group of people that waiting for the season to start is best for. Playing earlier is better for everyone else. I mean, playing earlier, if you play 162 games, the players get their entire contracts. They don't have to prorate them. They get the entire deal. The fans of the game, however many there are left, get to watch a full season of normal baseball. Fans or no fans in the stands, they still get to watch it and enjoy it. The fans of the 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 fans of the, of the game also get a legitimate season. I know a lot of people didn't think that the 60-game run was legitimate. So, all of that being said, it's better for baseball to go ahead and play. And I've never seen a sport in its owners and its commissioner and its higher-ups so against playing the sport. Basketball, their owners, their, their commissioner, just did everything under the sun to be able to play again. This is an insane turnaround. Asking these players that were in the bubble, secluded from family for most of that time, to play from October, an entire season, and then turn around and play again December 22nd. That is crazy. And, and, and training camp started December 1st. So, I mean, they literally had a month off if you made it deep in the bubble. But they want to play. They want to make their money from the TV contracts. They want to play the game. And, and there's a fan aspect and all of that. But again, mainly TV contracts. They want to have all of that happen. But baseball at every term seems to not want to play their game. They want to shorten the games. They want to shorten the seasons. They want to just not have seasons. They At every turn, it's as if baseball doesn't want you to view their product, both literally and literally chopping off games, and also with the streaming services of MLB.tv cutting off half of your of your watchability. NBA League Pass blacks out one team for me in Oklahoma. That is the Oklahoma City Thunder. I can watch Dallas. I can watch Houston, San Antonio, whoever. I, I can watch them. Even in, south, even in southern Oklahoma, where I'm closer to a Mavericks game than if I was, say, in northern Oklahoma, obviously. I still can watch them. Now, sitting in the same spot, if I fired up MLB.tv, which I've paid for since its existence, 
I cannot watch Kansas City, St. Louis, Dallas, Houston. How does that make any sense at all? They're limiting a paying customer from getting access to their product. Now, obviously, VPNs exist, but still. Baseball at every turn does not want you to, to see their game, and thus, they're not growing their game. And this is another step to that. Now, do I think that this is the worst thing the owners have ever done? No, it wouldn't even crack my top five this year alone. But still, at some point, you've got to do what's best for the greater good. And the MLB owners never seem to want to do that at any point. And that's why I believe that we're going to see a strike. We're going to see a strike whenever this CBA is up and done in the next winter. We're going to see a massive strike, I think. Because if being on the verge of having no season last year, remember... At the MLB draft, whenever Commissioner Manfred took the, took the podium, it was assumed that that would be the only baseball activity that entire year, that there would literally not be a season, if you remember correctly. After getting on the verge of losing your fan base, because at that point, how could you even remain a fan of this sport? Because at that point in the draft, the bubble was announced, soccer was announced, sports were coming back, and baseball was still, was still bickering over pennies in the grand scheme of things. To go from that and to still keep up the charade of, you know, we're going to take every penny we can from the players, or we're going to we're going to not give up any leverage to the players at all, to have this stance, to me is driving us closer and closer and closer to a massive strike. And remember what happened the last time that baseball had a strike, it ruined what baseball is. It ruined its national popularity. It ruined its its relevance. It ruined its audience. It ruined everything. It took a bunch of guys on steroids to even get remotely close to what it used to be. And that audience immediately fades. Immediately fades. Because it's it's not sustainable. The second you're off the juice, the second those guys and those people do not care about baseball anymore. And there is no more gimmicks. We've seen steroids. We've seen guys throwing 120 miles per hour. We've seen guys hitting balls out of stadiums. We've seen all the gimmicks about baseball. The only thing that you can lure people in with baseball is by teaching them the game by growing the game, by making it more accessible to everyone. And at every turn, baseball does not want to do that. And that is just crazy to me. But coming up, I want to dive into this royal season and what moves still have to be made by Kansas City. We're back on the Lockdown Royals podcast, the only daily podcast about the Kansas City Royals. Obviously, they did bring back Greg Holland. They have signed Carlos Santana so far. They have signed Mike Miner, and they've signed Michael A. Taylor. So Kansas City has improved their team since the last time they played baseball. That's the bottom line. Now, how much have they improved their team since their last game? Yet to be seen, because I think that it really has to do with the lineup, right? If you want to go all in with winning and you want to bring Wet back to second base and have Olivieras and Cordero in the outfield with Michael A. Taylor, you've improved your lineup dramatically, especially if you can have a bounce back year from Carlos Santana and a bounce back year from Jorge Soler. But that obviously hurts the development of Nicky Lopez, who's a gold glove level shorts, uh, gold glove level second baseman, I should say, uh, with a chance to be a better bat. So the the juggling between having a good team and a good lineup versus developing guys is going to be very interesting from Mike Matheny's standpoint. But to me, Kansas City, you you look at this team, and they're perfectly mediocre right now. Obviously, there's some variables of, you know, what what if they call up Ace Lacy? What if they call up Jackson Coart? All that good stuff. But 
right now they're perfectly mediocre, and I think that you're going to see them bring in another reliever. I think that Greg Holland is not the only move that they make. I don't think that this one-year $2.75 million deal is the only move that Kansas City makes to improve that bullpen. I think it's only going to take one more bullpen arm, though, because if you believe in Stomont, if you believe in Zuber, two guys who I, I really believe in, if you believe in Scott Barlow, Holland, I mean, that's four guys right there. If you can kick Miner or Duffy to the bullpen, that's then five guys. So signing one more bullpen arm would go a really long way. There's still going to be what-ifs this season. But depending on the schedule format, depending on the playoff format, the Royals could be a surprise team this year. Think about it like this. Think about if the Royals once again get to play the Central Division only. All right, we see the owners and players bickering again. We we drag down the number to like 100 games or whatever. It's only going to be against the AL and NL Central teams. And you're playing the Cleveland baseball team who's going to trade away Francisco Lindor. You're playing the Cubs who want to sell literally every part of their team, uh, not name Anthony Rizzo. You're playing the Cardinals who are decent but not great. The Brewers who are not great, uh, kind of average. The the uh, you know Reds who proved to be kind of average last year. No matter being everyone's fan favorite, even my darling story of the NL being kind of average, maybe maybe above average a little bit. That's your crop of teams. You're playing the Tigers who like yourself. They have some parts about that team you like. They're going to depend on a lot of the young guys. So you and the Tigers, you know, Royals, Tigers, that's going to be a battle of which young guys step up quicker, which young guys uh, answer the call quicker and, and become good MLB players quicker. And then again, Cleveland baseball team's not going to be any good. The Twins, what if they just happen to lose Nelson Cruz and, and lose Rosario and, and lose a lot of their team to where they take a step back? And then the White Sox are going to run away with this division, I think. I mean, they, they've made such improvements. Outside of Tony La Russa just being an absolute mess, which very well could happen, and he could just ruin everything that they've spent building there. Outside of that happening, uh, the White Sox, talent-wise, are going to run away with this division. The Royals are right in that mix. I mean, they are right in that mix. But again, this takes everything going perfectly. It takes a Solaire bounce back, a Perez sustained success that he found this season, Mondesi finally rounding into form after his great month of the year to, to, to leave the year. It takes a Carlos Santana bounce back. It takes a Mike Minor bounce back. I mean, we're already at five what-ifs here, but I'm just saying let's operate under the assumption that it just clicks. The same way it clicked in 2014. The same way it clicked with Jeremy Guthrie. The same way it clicked with, with Edison Volquez. Uh, let, let's just act like this all clicks again. And this team can can make some noise in the postseason. It can get at least get to the postseason, I should say. So that's where you're at in Kansas City. I don't think this team in a in a 162 game season. Let's 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 now let's now backtrack and say it is 162 to put it into perspective of a, of a normal season. This is not a hundred loss ball club. So that's fun, and we'll see what else they can do from there and how much more that they can improve from that standpoint. But be good and be good to one another. We'll see you tomorrow on Lockdown Rose, the only daily podcast about the Kansas City Rose on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day.